John Perry, thank you so much for coming on to Talk Beliefs all the way from your new home in Canada. So how did the move go? Oh, things things are great. I'm here in Montreal now. And uh, you know, I didn't I didn't actually move here to run away from Donald Trump. I'm, you know, my my partner's in uh she's doing her master's degree here, so that's why that's why we're in Montreal. But yeah, it's a it's a beautiful place. We've been running, um, but now it's snowing and there's black ice. Wow. So it's yeah, now I'm kind of, yeah, we're going to start skiing here pretty soon, so. Oh, added bonus then. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're known, of course, for the wonderfully successful Stated Clearly YouTube channel, which features high-quality animations created by you on science and evolution. The channel has gone from strength to strength and is certainly one of my favorite online channels. So before we can begin, can you talk a little bit about you, your background, and why you decided to begin Stated Clearly? And also its sister channel stayed casually. Yeah, so my, well, my background, my actual training, like official training is all in graphic design. But I have been really obsessed with biology since I was a little kid. I had, uh, ever since we got our first dog, I was just, animals are super cool. And I wanted to know everything I could about them. And if I were to pinpoint why it is that I started doing science education, uh, it really kind of goes back to, my first dog, I, I learned that I could look at him for the first time. I could actually just, instead of learning stuff from my parents being taught how the world works, I could actually just study nature and think about things and come to conclusions. And sometimes they would be right. And the first experience I had with that was looking at my dog. I realized that he has this, what looks like a backwards knee on his back leg. Yeah. I noticed that he has all the same bones that I do. He has shoulder blades on his front legs, which meant, oh, those aren't legs. Those are arms or yeah. they're similar to arms. Um, and I noticed that he had this backwards knee, which I didn't have. But then I looked close at it and realized it was his heel bone. And they actually walk on their tiptoes. And so I got super excited about this, started telling everybody, tell my parents about it. And they're like, oh, I think you're right. And that was kind of this first realization that I don't have to just be told how the world works. I can learn by studying. And uh, so I guess that that's where my passion for science comes from. Uh, but the the thing that really kicked me into doing a series on evolution was I, I lived in Tennessee for a while. And all of my friends there were anti-evolution. I was trying to share with them why evolution is so interesting. And I was, they didn't want to read textbooks about it because it's, things get overly complicated. There's a lot of reading, right? And they didn't, the, a lot of the popular stuff um, it's kind of peppered with little jabs at Christianity, you know, like, you know, Richard Dawkins is a great author. He, he really does a good job simplifying the science, but he also will pepper his, his work with little insults. And he's got a reputation that people, people don't want to listen to him because they know he's an atheist. Right. Um, so I was like, well, maybe I can make my own type of materials, uh, that would just be very friendly and just stick specifically to the science. Uh, and hopefully that would be, more acceptable. So that's what I started doing. Uh, the very first video that I made actually isn't up anymore because there were some errors in it. So I took it down. But the the first video that I made that's up is what is DNA and how does it work? And that 
just got really popular. Teachers were using it in their classrooms and people wanted me to keep making more. So I kept, I just kept going. And what uh, is evolution is like, I think your, your most successful one, isn't it? Now, what is the evidence for evolution? Yeah. That, that the one's the most successful. Yeah. yeah. And, and if you watch that, that video in particular, I'm very careful at, you know, just like I had made these observations with my dog and was able to use my own brain to come to th these conclusions. In that video, I'm trying very hard to make sure that the viewer can do that same thing. They can actually just look at the evidence and then come to a conclusion instead of me telling them that evolution is true and you should believe this or else you're dumb. So in that video, I, I go through a bunch of different evidence showing that whales evolved from land mammals and just try and expose people to that evidence so that they can figure it out for themselves. Whales live in water and from a distance, they sort of look like giant fish. A close inspection of their anatomy, however, tells us a very different story. Whales, just like land mammals but unlike fish, have placentas and give live birth. They feed milk to their young. They are warm-blooded, which is extremely rare for a fish. And whales do not have gills. Instead, just like us, they breathe air with two fully developed lungs. So that, and that video has been super successful. Uh, well, it is, as you called it, stated very clearly, and you have a great voice for it. And, and it's, they're so easy to watch as well because they're all almost like primary colors and uh, mm -hmm. the nice thick outlines. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a really great technique. And I know you have done a video on how you make the videos. John, um, evolution is a very contentious thing in some parts of the world, including right. the United States, and especially amongst the religious. Um, what have you found are the basic misunderstandings surrounding evolution? Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess there's kind of two different issues. There's the basic understandings that people have in general when they're studying evolution. And then there's those misunderstandings are just magnified if someone thinks that evolution conflicts with their worldview, because you've got confirmation bias on top of the basic confusions. So I think, you know, to, to try and tease out why religious people get tripped up is a little slightly different than why everybody else gets the, the issues that other people might have with it but it's really just a magnification of it. And I think the main issue that people have with evolution is it's just such a unique way for um, complex, highly, highly functional things to be produced. Like all everything around your house, unless you happen to have plants and stuff, everything in your house was created by a person that was tinkering and using their brain to try and problem solve as they created. And that's, that's what we know. That's everything around us. Most things around us were built that way. And so when we see a similar structured thing, something that's actually more complex and more functional as a living organism, we just naturally assume that it was built in a similar, similar way. And that's not the case. You know, you nat uh, descent with modification acted upon by natural selection that is how we get adaptive evolution. And that is a completely new concept to most people, something that our brains just aren't really used to thinking about. So that's that's the biggest misconception is how on earth can natural processes combine to be creative, uh, to, to produce these really intricate, you could call them designs. 
how on earth does that happen? And that's that's the biggest, I think the biggest holdup for most people. And then it just gets magnified when you have uh, confirmation bias because of religious views. So, Right. Well, both you and I have made videos explaining evolution and debunking creationist misinterpretations of evolution. And we both received our fair share of comments and emails from creationists who can sometimes get pretty upset and aggressive. So what conclusions have you made uh, about these reactions? Why do creationists and others get so upset about this subject? Uh, well, I think it really just it has to do with evolution. For a lot of people, they see it as a challenge to their basic worldview. And, you know, the, 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 way that, the way that we build our picture of our world, it shapes our behavior. And it becomes the foundation for, you know, how we think about our families and how we think about other human beings. So it's when something challenges your fundamental worldview, it is offensive. It's scary because it kind of feels like you could lose everything, right? If you, if you start to be convinced that everything you believed is wrong, well, you no longer have a foundation in your life and who knows what'll happen. And it's actually interesting. If you, if you look at, um, to see that, this fear is actually founded in it. It is worth being afraid of. If you look at someone who's indoctrinated into a, a really intense cult, like the, um, not the mainstream Mormons, but there's the, uh, the FLDS. Yeah. 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 The fundamental Mormons, or you've got the Mennonites. A lot of times when people leave their religion, they go crazy. They'll get on meth. They'll get STDs right away. They'll, they'll just yeah. ruin their lives uh, because they, they have no foundation and they can't tell the difference between, uh, you know, smoking a little marijuana versus, you know, going on a methamphetamine binge, right? They, yeah. they've been taught that all those things are evil and they can't tell the difference. They don't, they, you know, without a foundation, they're, they don't know what to do with themselves. So it's, it is actually a legitimate concern for people to be worried when, a new idea threatens their foundational beliefs because it is a dangerous thing. It's a scary thing. So people are people, people defend their worldviews and they mm -hmm. defend them aggressively. And so it's, I feel like that's the hatred that I get from people. And I've even gotten death threats uh, from time to time, more death I wishes. Got, than I haven't death got threats. there yet, but I'm nearly there. <laughs> yeah. Uh, mostly death wishes, not specifically death threats. I've, I've gotten maybe two death threats mostly death wishes oh, just in YouTube comments and I've never taken them seriously, but uh, I'll just, I'll just uh, delete them. But the, you know, that, that hatred is it's coming from people trying to protect their, their worldview. And there is good reason for people to want to do that. Uh, but I, I just feel like, uh, <laughs> you know, it, it's very unfortunate because they're missing out on something that, that I think is so beautiful and so interesting. I mean, the reason that I started this is because I, I genuinely think that biology is, it's the most fascinating thing. It's, it's the thing that's captivated my mind more than any other topic is how evolution works and how we came to be the way that we are. Absolutely. Do you think a lot of it has to do with taking it personally in that, you know, my ancestors were not apes, you know, smelly yeah. animals. Um, a lot yeah. of it seems to come down to that. Yeah. Yeah. And there is, um, there is even among non-religious people, there is people do get offended by the idea that we're apes. Uh, I've seen that happen. Uh, it just seems gross to people. Uh, 
also when we think of ourselves as just animals that emerged from this from this process of evolution it really kind of kills the idea that we're actually really in control of things you know we're uh, uh. like this is it uh we're you know cuz especially the older you get you realize oh there's not some really smart grown up controlling stuff it's just a bunch of people like me <laughs> it's kind of scary right or perhaps even i never thought of it like this before perhaps even they think oh if if these random processes are causing us to perhaps continue to evolve i mean who knows what i'll turn into you know? right right it, it, really evolution takes away certainty from us right when when you really accept evolution it's most things that you wish you were certain about you can't really be certain about anymore so there is um there are some aspects of it that are offensive but i think for for me, that hasn't bothered hasn't been something that bothered me. I I just find it interesting that we're animals. I find it interesting that this is it that we. It, it's up to us to make the best out of this situation we find ourselves in. The situation we woke up in, you know. Excellent. Um, okay, let's talk a little bit about your animations. So, you've actually done a video on how you make your stated clearly films, but could you just give us uh, like a brief overview of how you create these animations? Uh, from beginning to end, what what is the process? Yeah, so the very first ones that I did, I didn't have many connections in the scientific world. Like I said, I'm a graphic artist. So I would just go through textbooks, basically, and try to summarize something that was being taught. So the, the first video, what is DNA and how does it work? That was actually the product of me taking a biology course in college, yeah. uh, not understanding how genetics worked at all but still somehow getting an A. <laughs> and then by just memorizing all the things I was taught to memorize. And then years later in the shower, it just all came to me. <laughs> oh, that's how, that's how DNA builds protein or, you know, codes for protein. And, okay. I think I can teach this way easier than textbooks are teaching it. Uh, and so basically the, the first few videos that I did was I, I look at the textbook. Um, textbooks kind of evolve in a way and that as new discoveries come in, new bits and pieces are added to the textbook. And because that's typically how a textbook is written, some of the newer discoveries, genetics is only, you know, but like 30 or 40 years old. Uh, these newer subjects are, aren't necessarily optimized for teaching. They've been kind of pieced together as new discoveries are being made. So the first few videos that I did, I would just study textbooks. Um, and kind of restructure how the lessons were being taught and then turn that into a cartoon, turn that into an animation. Uh, now I work with researchers specifically. I'll, I'll figure out who's the top in the field and I'll email them and usually I'll get a response because I've got a couple of videos. I can sh I'll show them a video. Like this is what I do. I'll keep the emails super brief and try to get some time to talk to them. So that's, that's my process. Now I'll, I'll, I'll look, I usually start actually with Wikipedia. Then I go to the scientific literature. I'll go to textbooks. Um, and then I'll contact the head researchers in a particular field. And from that, I'll create a script. I'll have a couple of people that have agreed to look over my script and kind of peer review it, you know, researchers in the field. And then I'll start doing the animation. I'll, I'll do the voiceover first, then I'll animate to the voiceover. And then I publish it. And the whole process typically takes two months uh, start to finish, but I'm always working on several projects that are overlapping. And I do client work too, which is 
I probably publish an animation every four months or so on my channel because I'm doing a lot of client work. But and they used them in schools, didn't you say? Yeah, they're actually really common to be used in schools. My, I, I, I'll keep I keep getting emails from my cousins like, hey, we just watched a video today and it was you that made it <laughs> in our classroom. So it's yeah, it's kind of cool. That's really great. Yeah. <laughs> you recently produced an animation outline outlining how Dr. Mary Schweitzer discovered soft tissue in a T-Rex bone. Now, this mm -hmm. discovery has been hailed as some kind of smoking gun by creationists, but it's really just a new understanding of how organics are sometimes preserved over yeah. millions of years. Yeah. Um, first of all, can you talk about researching the project and how it has been received, especially by those who think it proves that dinosaurs only existed a short time ago? Yeah, uh, researching that project was pretty easy. I mean, I, I just started with our first paper. And when you look in the scientific literature, there's always links to other papers that are talking about the same thing. I think it was maybe maybe 10, 10 to 20 papers that I ended up reading on the subject, uh, just kind of going through links and seeing the debates that had gone on. So when she first discovered it, it was controversial in the scientific community. There's a lot of debate going on back and forth uh, that seemed to have gotten resolved. And actually, by the time that I was writing my script and studying for my script, that was pretty solidly resolved. There's actually now new things kind of questioning that the uh, the tissue was from the original T-Rex. Um, but the basically, I just read all the papers that were relevant to this. And then I emailed her, letting her know which papers I had read and asking if she would talk with me. Right. And so we talked on the phone probably three different times. Um, and it, it was great having conversations with Mary Schweitzer. You know, she spent, she spent about an hour with me each time. And then she also reviewed the script. And funny enough, she's she's very shy about her public appearance. And so she wouldn't she refused to watch the video. She didn't want to see it. <laughs> she didn't want to see pictures that we drew of her and stuff. Uh, but she's she read been on Nova and all those things, hasn't she? Yeah. Yeah. On, she won't. Yeah. She never watches them. <laughs> she's <laughs> she's camera shy. So she'll go on them, but she won't. She won't watch them later or listen to them. It's kind of funny. But she uh, yeah, she was great to work with. And then. Uh, I'd emailed a couple of people that had uh, that had been publishing papers saying that what she was doing maybe not, might not actually be uh, dinosaur tissue, but none of them had responded to me. So I just went ahead and uh, uh, published with, with what I could, with what I had. Her discoveries on how soft tissues can be preserved uh, through oxidation. See, the, these proteins will uh, form cross links with each other. If the blood pools in a body and that blood breaks down, the iron can then uh, interact with oxygen, creating all sorts of free radicals that cause these cell, these proteins to bind with each other. Mm -hmm. And that allows them to be preserved much longer than they would otherwise. But collagen itself, by the way, collagen is a really, really stable protein. That's, I mean, just on the beach, Whale collagen will last in clumps on the beach. It can last for 50 years easily in the sun with waves hitting it. And, you know, it's a very, very stable structure. And if you, the, the proteins inside of a bone, so encapsulated inside of a bone and uh, having gone through this oxidation process, this cross-linking process, you know, that and we don't a, know. A large, a large bone, a thigh bone of a T-Rex. So that would have been added right. insulation, if you like. Right, exactly. And we, uh, other people have found other things that help with this. You can form on the outside of a bone, 
you can get a bacterial plaque, kind of like a plaque on teeth, right? We'll get a bacterial mat that will form. And that seals the bone from the outside world. So that even, even uh, like minerals trickling in, it, that's even harder to happen. So you can, you can get stuff to be preserved a lot better if you have these bacterial mats forming on the outside of the bones. And we found that with different studies on frog uh, fossils and stuff. This is and, the same as uh, biofilm, which you mentioned in the video, is it? No, no, no. A biofilm. Yeah, something different. Right. Yeah. Well, well, it actually, it, it is the same thing, but it's, it's forming on the outside of the bone and it ends up yeah. forming a protective crust around the bone. And, and so things can't get into the bone nearly as easy. And so that, that can cause the bone to be preserved much more, right, much longer, the contents of the bone. So, so like I said, the, so in the video, I, I talk about how scientific consensus is largely on her favor. Now that's a little bit less true now because of um, a couple of things that have been brought up and that are now being questioned, but it still is pretty solid that what she found really is a protein from uh, T-Rex, from the original T-Rex, as opposed to a bacterial protein or a fungal protein. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi, and welcome to Hiss and Tell, a cat podcast where we delve deep into the fascinating world of feline behavior with your host, me, Christina Wilson, a professional animal behaviorist. Each episode features insightful discussions with leading veterinarians, dedicated researchers and scientists, experts in cat behavior and training, and so much more. Join me as we decode the complexities of pet loss, unravel the mysteries of feline health and behavior, and discover the latest research findings. I'll meet you at Hiss and Tell. Yeah, that is. Um, it's still you will get those uh, evolution deniers who will basically they will hold this up at any. I mean, I get this all the time in the comments. Yeah. Oh, they found yeah. they found soft tissue in the dinosaur bones, and I think they honestly mean there's like they, they think that there was like a soft bit of meat which just sort of fell out of the bone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> which would almost imply that it only died last week or something. So it's it's right. really kind of screwed up. Right, and and that's how it gets marketed. You know, this is. That's how creationists market it to other creationists. And you know, the, the bulk of the people that believe that are totally honest, critical thinking people that have had someone they trust tell them this is this is what happened. And so they're they're much less skeptical. And all of us are less skeptical when something confirms our conclusion, right? We we're all we all suffer from confirmation bias. So for the vast majority of people, they're not being weird or dishonest. It's there's a couple of people at the top in the creationist movement that definitely know that they're stretching the truth. They definitely know that they're lying. Uh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's, he's definitely, uh, th there's no way that he doesn't know that he's lying. That the things that he does are pretty insane. Things that he says. Uh, Cause you know, they must be researching it, but they must get to a point uh, where they go, oh, hang on, that that makes my case look bad. I won't mention that because yeah. they're coming out with all the right stuff up to a point in, in some right. cases. Yeah, there's really interesting personality type. It, it's a special personality type that that will do that. Uh, and I, one of my graphic design jobs, one of my first jobs out of college was I worked for a company that taught people how to trade in the stock market. And it was a multi-level marketing company. I don't know if you know much about multi-level marketing. 
I'm afraid but, I don't. <laughs> okay. It's a craze in the United States, really popular in Utah and stuff, but it's uh, it's where you've got a product and instead of just selling it at a grocery store or a, you know, a, a normal store or an online shopping cart or whatever, you sell it to, to individuals at a really high price and you tell them they can sell it to their friends and family and they'll get a chunk of that profit. And so it becomes a pyramid scheme. Oh, you mean, oh uh, yes, a pyramid yeah. sort of Amway sort of thing, yeah. Right, yeah, Amway is multi-level marketing. So oh, I, see what you, I see what you mean. I didn't know much about multi-level marketing. I just got this job as a graphic artist and I saw it from behind the scenes. It was ridiculous how exploitive, like these things are evil. I mean, there might be a couple of them where this process makes sense. <laughs> there are some situations where it does make sense to sell a product as, for, you know, person to person instead of at the store. Uh but the, the only relationship between that and creationist belief. Well, I saw I saw the personality type, the type of people that are successful at this can exploit people and can lie to themselves and to other people in a way that they end up believing their own lies and it's it doesn't become a conflict of interest for them. Because it Christians being honest is a huge part of being a Christian, right? Yeah. You think and so. And so it, it blew my mind early on when I was looking at creationist stuff, like how can these people be lying like this? But when I met the type of people that were successful as multi-level marketers, I realized there's a weird personality trait where you believe your own lies. You know, it's a lie at one point, but you start telling it to yourself enough and you start to believe it. And that, you know, I, I saw these people that were really good at convincing themselves that what they're saying is true. And that's, um, that's the type of personality type that I see, you know, Ken Hovind is, is a really good example of this, but uh, Ken Ham is another good example. Yeah. He's definitely, um, yeah. I think he's convinced that he's not lying. Yeah. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell what's going on in someone's head, but, but this, this is something that I realized, wow, these people are very different than me. And th these differences allow them to behave in this way without noticing that they're lying or without thinking them as without thinking of themselves as liars. So that was really interesting kind of eye-opening experience for me early on in my career, which has helped me, I think to be a little bit less judgy of creationists um, because there's this, I mean, it's a personality type, charismatic personality type that can, that can initiate these things and other people fall victim to it. And, uh, and, and, and I'd also see people, you know, Ken Ham and Kent Hovind are both very strong personalities and they're easy to want to follow. You know, they're very charismatic. Um, and we, we see this with Donald Trump is a, is a good example of this. He's a really good example of this type yeah. of figure. Just very charismatic, very they project confidence, don't they? Right, right. They're very sure of themselves. And so as a follower of them, you can be very sure that they're telling you the truth. It's a, it's a weird kind of psychological trap or feedback that happens with yeah. the interesting study, you know, the psychology of creationism. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's not been done already. Oh yeah. Um, John. Okay. What you're doing, I think is really important, especially in a world where like we've been saying science denial seems to be getting more of a platform. So what do you hope your work will achieve in the long run? My goal is just to help people love this idea, fall in love with this idea that I fell in love with, that you can understand the world by studying it, by looking at it for yourself. 
and exploring for yourself. And even, even things that have already been discovered by scientists before, like rediscover them, discover them for yourself is such a beautiful, fun thing to do. Uh, the world is full of curiosities. And, you know, after realizing this, I've, I've, I haven't been bored. I haven't been bored for like 30 years, you know, <laughs> just there's so many things to study, so many things to observe, so many things to think about. And that's, um, that's what I hope to convey. You can explore this world for your, for yourself, use your own senses, use your own critical thinking skills, and you can learn real things about this world. Okay. Thank you so much, John, for talking to us. Uh, before we sign off, though, have you got any new animations in the work? Something you could perhaps reveal a little bit about? <laughs> yeah, right now I'm working on two projects. Uh, one is on chemistry, so it's on the anatomy of an atom. You know, what are atoms made of? And the other one is on metabolism. And I'm really excited about the, the series I'm going to be doing on metabolism because it's something that's really misunderstood in, uh, you know, nutrition. Uh, and a lot of, there's a lot of scam artists that'll sell you all kinds of weird products about your metabolism, uh, to, you know, for dieting and so on. So it's, it's, it's cool to, to get some information about metabolism for that reason. But my main goal with it is to explain the metabolism first hypothesis for the origin of life, which uh, is a very poorly understood concept in the general public. I've done some videos on the origin of life. I've, I've done the mm -hmm. RNA world hypothesis, and now I'll be able to do the metabolism first hypothesis once I've, I've set people up to be able to understand it better. So I'm, I'm really excited about that. So that's what's in the works for Stated Clearly. And uh, on my other channel, Stated Casually, uh, I'm, I started doing live videos on Sundays, Sunday morning science. And, uh, I'm, yeah, it's kind of excited to just see where that goes. I kind of, I usually end up choosing my topic a couple of days before and then, uh, just do these live, live broadcasts. And that's been a lot of fun. I'm wanting to do a series there on the evolution and origin of sex. So not just not like male and female only, but just why sexual reproduction evolved, why we think it evolved. And then uh, people are telling me not to bother doing this because it's such a dicey subject right now, but get into, you know, the differences between males and females, what we know about uh, the evolution of that, um, and then even get into things like gender roles and so on. So that might get a little bit dicey. <laughs> we'll see. But uh, that's, it's More a controversy for you, John. <laughs> yeah. It's a really interesting subject. And actually the controversy around it is really interesting. I'll be talking about that too. Like, why is it that this is controversial? Um, yeah. And where have we been, where do we know we've been wrong studying this biologically in the past? Because we've actually made some pretty big mistakes. Um, so there is reason for people to be cautious about the evolution of gender roles, for example. Uh, so, uh, yeah, we'll see how that goes. Me trying to tackle that. <laughs> that concept and i'll put links to everything your twitter and of course your youtube channels in the description below uh, all that's left to say is thank you so much john for coming on to talk beliefs and perhaps we'll catch up with you again one day in the future yeah it's been great thanks for having me on i appreciate it